was wrestling and I was praying and I want to tell you before I go into the scripture, I want to tell you a story that some of you might have heard me tell in the past of a true story. One of our pastors in America, he was, uh, he was ready to preach the next Sunday morning and the Saturday evening he was just sitting in front of his TV and there was a documentary on, I don't know, one of the news channels, there was a documentary of orphanages in the Ukraine. And they were just highlighting the dire need of these orphanages and the, the reality that these kids face in these orphanages. And he said he had a moment with God where God said to him, Yes, you're ready, you're going to preach a nice message to your church tomorrow. But what about those kids out there? You know, you can tell your people here where they have nothing to eat, they have everything their hearts desire, technology, the whole thing. But what about the hurting and the broken on that side of the pond, you know, on the other side of the, the big blue sea? And he said he was so convicted that sometimes we get so comfortable preaching a message to a bunch of people that does minister to them and it does change their lives and it does lift them up and it gives them hope. And he said that morning he was so convicted he couldn't sleep and he said he prayed and he cried. And he said the next morning he stood in front of his church and said, guys, I can keep you busy with normal things, just the normal things we do. Preach a nice message, you clap your hands when you need to clap your hands, sit down when you need to sit. Or we just have a moment of praying and saying, God, what do you want to do for us? Not just what you want to do in us. And friend, I believe today God wants to do a lot of things in people. I believe He wants to give you hope. And they announced, he said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but in a, in a few weeks' time, we're going to get in and pray, we're going to go to the prayer, just to find the orphanage, we're going to pour out our lives into those kids' lives. But we went to long story, very long story short, he said, let me shut up now. I had the privilege of being in another orphanage. The movement was going to be we sent a missions team to, to the V in Ukraine, and we traveled up the Colorado Mountains. And one of the ways we stopped at a few orphanages and we handed out shoes. Because the average duty temperature there is about minus 20, average. We don't ask that as a human. We don't know minus 20, but it's frozen blood in box. It's terrible. And these kids are around with shoes with holes in them. And uh, our hearts are broken. So I know what he's talking about. But they can be come back to America and they can be just reassessed life and God's working in the city. Emotional, the motor goes along with me. Now that I have to walk around the house and push it just into my own 
back from Indonesia. They kind of walked around with that. He said, three and a half years after this child came into their house for the first time, as he's used to, he just went and he touched her and put the, the blanket over her desk on the floor and looked at the face and said, Daddy loves you. And he said, the first time in her life, as he got up to, to move away, she grabbed his hand and pulled it back to her. And he said, the first time in her life, she looked in the eye and she said to him, Daddy, I love you. Took the child three and a half years to realize that she was with dad. And she could trust him. And friends, isn't that the, the journey that we walk with God? God said we were adopted. We, we, we were adopted into a loving father's house. He added us to a family. And the whole process of discipleship, the whole process of what God wants to do in our lives is getting us to a place where we can just be. I trust my dad. This is dad. And I love you back, Daddy. And our faith is God not in loving us, but we don't love you back. Our patience is God with us when we throw our tantrums and we steal stuff in the house that is actually ours anyway. We don't have to steal it, it's there, it's ours. And friends, if, if God can speak that hope in your life, we're talking about hope today. But if you can, if you can have that moment where you can just breathe out all the realities of man, I messed up so badly. I know, I know, I know how disqualified I am. I know how I don't deserve to be here. All those things. You can just, you can find a moment of just looking in God's eyes this morning. You can just say, God, I'm here. It'll be a healthy, it'll be a healthy moment for us. That's my whole first and I trust the God of God. 1 Corinthians 13, it's often 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the gift of the Spirit, where it talks about how God adds the body together and how we're supposed to function together as a, as a healthy body, different parts. And then you go to 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read the whole chapter to you, it's a very short chapter. But we're going to read through it, and then we're going to get to our three verse. Corinthians 13 verse 1 says, If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding dawn or a soul. He says, In tongues of men and angels, it's such a human wisdom and spiritual wisdom. I can be a lot of human wisdom here. I can approach a few clever people. I can try to play a spiritual call and say, Hey, you know, this is what I feel. Just to manipulate. But if love is not a story in which we use human wisdom and spiritual wisdom, it's a plain symbol in the dark. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, be miracles, but I do not have love, nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to worship when I'm at most, but I do not have love, again nothing. Amazing, more more is going to be preaching next week on love. So he's got the ball of the scripture, but he's talking about spiritual power, discipline, and charity without love. You can be in a house and you can miss the father's heart. I got no will. Doctor, you can be in the house and have all the religion. But you can miss the father's heart completely and miss the father while you consume the stuff that the father provides. 
in verse 4, starts the funny part. He says, Let us let us kind. There's not envy, there's not boast, it's not proud, there's not dishonor, there's not self seeking, there's not easy anger, keeps no reward of wrong, love doesn't want the light in evil, rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. But when there are prophecies, there will cease, where there are tongues, there will be still. When there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. When I was a child, I took that child. I took that child. I knew that child. But when I became a man, I put away the child's sins. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, do not show no fully, even as I am fully known. And this is how it is. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We're going to talk, as I said, George preached on faith last week. If you didn't hear the sermon, you can listen to it online. It's worth it. It's a, it's a sermon with substance. From a man who's been walking with God and he's he wasn't just preaching a message, he was sharing out of life experience. But faith and love, our faith and hope is built on the foundation of love. If we try to find us with love, without preaching God's sermon, is God's spirit that defines him and that forms his working us and that forms our actions that flows from it. It's the spirit, love is the spirit that God brought out in our heart that defines our faith and it defines our hope. Love that overcomes all obstacles. The obstacles of resistance, the obstacles of rebellion, and every single one of us has a story to tell about how you've, how you've abused the love of God, how you've, how you've messed up, how it's either in ignorance or it's in rebellion. You mightn't have even known what you were doing. But you were missing God. Paul was dead, I thought of the dead, ask us specifically, and I can get that to you. We just put it up when we need it. And that love is a love that was settled at the cross, and it settled the power struggle for everyone forever. When Jesus died on that cross, he made that love available to all of us. And as I said, you can be in the house of the Father, but completely miss the Father's heart. Listen to this story, just to illustrate this point. Because too many people walk through churches. They come to church, they do, they ring the bells, they do everything. Yet, you look at them and you're just like, I'm missing something. I'm missing something. Story told of a man, very, a very walk famous poet. And he was invited to come at a, to, to, to a conference with a lot of people. It was a Christian conference and they said, because you're such a renowned poet, would you please read Psalm 23 for us? And this guy started reading Psalm 23 and he had his pauses, his dramatic pauses, and he had his emphasis and he used all the poetic gifts that he had to read Psalm 23. And people stood in awe and after he read it, people were just in awe. Silent. And then there was an old man in the audience that got up 
said, Would you mind if I bring something with me? It's one of my favorite songs, I just love it, formed my life. And the poet not knowing what to do, gave the Bible and said, God, please do. And this old man started reading Psalm 23 and he made mistakes. He didn't put the punctuation in the right place. And as he was reading, people started weeping. People started crying. People started having moments there with God that was just special. And after this whole thing was done, the poet came to this old guy and said to him, How did you do this? What you did there, I wish I could do through my poetry. And you made all the mistakes. And the old guy came and said, because I believe that I That touched my life. I didn't just read words. I know the one who this was in my life. Friends, and that is love. And if love does not define our faith, we will be full of faith and we will have many miracles in the church and we will pray for people and push them over. So we're not going to be very spiritual. But in the name of the Spirit, we will have very spiritual moments. Smoke and words. Get the smoke machine on. You know, have the God pray that we have the right moments to stir up the emotions of the people. In the name of the Spirit, but there's no love in it. It's manipulation and it's empty. It's a candy bomb and it's a symbol. So we can have faith without love. We can have hope without love. So God, we must be positive. Stop speaking here without this morning. Hope without love. Love is the spirit, and it's very interesting if you stay faith, hope, and love. What is the one thing that will remain in heaven? Out of those two. You need faith in heaven. If you see God, you need faith in heaven. If you're a Christian, I don't think you need faith in heaven. Because you're God's prison. You need hope in heaven. What do you want me to hope for? What more can you hope for in heaven? And you can fly, dude. It's incredible. But God is love. God is not faith. He is not hope. He gives us faith. He gives us hope. God is not. God is not. So if we miss the spirit in front of the behind the faith and hope, we will miss anything. You will walk through church, you will be like Moses, and you will walk past the burning bush and say, wow, I feel the lot. I'm not going to turn away and go to it. And allow that, that spirit to touch you. Interesting if you read about Moses, he walked past and he saw the bush burning. And the Bible says very clearly, and he turned aside and he went to it. How often do we just walk past burning bushes? Where is that going? Come on, I went to church. Oh, was it spiritual? No, 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 I felt the heat, there was a flame. Did you turn aside? Did you change the way you walked? Did you take off your shoes? Did you bend your knees? Or did you walk through church? And I tell you, I can't remember which old saint said this. He says, I know where the kingdom of God has come to someone. They are quiet. They have nothing to say. Listen, friends. There's moments when you need to see God. And when you see God, you will fill you with faith. Now, faith, this is, these are the definitions. This is to add to what George preached. Faith is a 
unshakable confidence based on God's past faithfulness. Unshakable confidence based on God's past actions. God's, God's past faithfulness. The promises that He made in the past. So you can look at the past and you can base your faith in a faithful God who's never broken a promise. He's always done what He said He would do. He's given His Son. So your faith is based on God's faithfulness. Hope is an unshakable confidence in God to fulfill His future promises. Because faith and hope is very difficult to separate. Because the one is, the one is dependent on the other. But when your hope comes true, when you trust and you pray for something and it comes true, what does it do? It settles your faith. It settles your faith. One of the biggest rebukes in Deuteronomy and Numbers. For those of you guys who are used to my preaching, you can even say it to your faction. What are the biggest rebukes in Numbers and Deuteronomy? You've forgotten the new countries. You don't have faith in the So I hope so for me. Hope is that thing that makes you dangerous. Because you know, hope does not exist. You can't just say this. Hope cannot exist in the absence of hopelessness. Excuse me, listen to these old guys. They're not around anymore. You need to read their writing and you need to learn from them. So, so love is the spirit. Faith gets you going. Faith is the thing that activates your action. It says, I have faith in God. That is why we are going. When we were in London, our church started saying, man, we're going to do missions going to China. And it was really, it was a move from the spirit. And God just started stirring in our church. And there was a bunch of people that said, man, let's go. And faith got us going to China. Now, I am here in China, Henry Baker, David Buffalo, and God, God. The best food in the world. Yo, 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 if you want nice food, you go to China. Alright? If you can catch it, you can eat it. That was the kind of a. Uh, okay, but that's just a phenomenal country to do. Phenomenal people to do with. And I met Pastor G. Pastor G, 17 years ago, because he loves Jesus. And I just found faith in him. We sit with that man and we see the ability. And you think I can find as much of religion that got you through that 17 years. What a joke. What an insult to the Spirit of God. When you sit with a man for 17 years and was allowed to see his wife and children, if he was lucky to us in him. 17 years. And I come to him and I would say, denounce your faith. And he would say, I can't. Some of those believers in China. They've memorized the scripture, they've memorized, memorized the book of Romans. You can read the book they hit me now. They've memorized a book in the Bible, not just scripture. Pastor G was doing Bible school. We eventually he was released and he was kind of smuggled out to Hong Kong where there was religious freedom. And he refused to leave China. Hong Kong was the furthest that he would go. And we would make video clips of Pastor G doing Bible school of how to raise up young preachers in China. They could preach the gospel solidly. And you'd see this man preach often. Now listen, I don't understand Chinese. I know Ni Hao. Alright, so this is how are you? Ni Hao. Alright. But you'd see Pastor G preaching and, and just in the, the subscripts, you can just see him without referring to his Bible, just quoting passages and passages 
say, if you find God in your desert, the desert is the sweetest place in the world. Ask Moses. He won't respond, he's not here anymore. But he wrote us a letter in Exodus 33. Where God says to him, can I give you a promise? And I'm going with you. And Moses says, no, I'd rather not. I'd rather have your presence right here in the desert. And leave my promise. Because my promise without you will destroy me. We've seen that we study the book of Judges. How the promises of this world destroy his people. How the promised land and fulfill the Israelites. With only God's presence that they found. And this is, I believe, friends, I'm, I'm not leaving on this too hard. But I was really asking my God, what do you want to say to our people? What do you want to say to, to the people in my spirit? And I believe God wants to say to you that there's a different way. You don't have to live this life where the average is just being down across. Start. It's just that average. So, there's too many questions. I said, if you average out the last 10 years of your spiritual work with Jesus, what would you give yourself up to? And someone says, I don't know what the hell they rate it. But if I say, if you are destined to live the next 40 years of your life based on that average, will you be excited or a little bit depressed? It's interesting, people don't give you an answer after question. Will you be excited or a little bit depressed? You need to know. You need to know what you're talking about in this thing that you have done to manage. Because it's your practice. Because it's your inner presence. This presence is so important. I was writing a question for you. I was very insistent in the last year. I was sitting there. God gives you hope and He changes your level. One level of existence is just a being. You know. I'm just, this is what I am, place you all so Who knows that song, place you all so Okay, now, let's see what we can do. Sorry, George. But you know what I was doing. And I'm ready to it, so I'm going to let you know what I'm But place you all so well, it's just whatever will be, will be. Every step of all these things is just a moment. That's the one that will existence. And God said it's all his fault. God said it's all his fault. You know you don't want to do it. I don't want to mark it. And that was the next level to be lost. Also to be nations. And I'll give you to his very existence. I will give you exceedingly advantage of God that you wash the people in your nation. That's the next level that God and Father calls us to as a church. Ask. Don't just be asked. Ask, Lord, I'm asking you that you will break through in my, in my job situation. Lord, I'm asking you that you will use me to touch the orphans. Lord, I'm asking you that you will empower me to make a difference. I'm asking you, Lord, that I'm not lived down to the average of the last 10 years. That's level two. And you know what level three is? <laughs> That's my favorite level. That's when you step into the devil's face and you start taking yourself. The kingdom of God 
Okay, what does he do for your body? It just kind of gives you stability. It gives you stability. So friends, when you put your hope in a God that you cannot see, it gives you stability. What does the world offer you? The only thing that I can put my hope in is that I can maybe take my anchor I'm on this on the sea that goes like this, and I can see, yeah, our mirror is coming. Oh, our mirror, you know, it's like this floating situation. Our mirror, I need stability. Take my anchor. And I throw my anchor to our mirror, to his little boat, and our mirror, and I alright, what happens to an anchor line? If I put my hope in this man, the line will always be, will always be tension because you're looking for stability. But what does it do? It just brings our boats closer to one another. And because of the sea, does this, and eventually we are so close to one another, we just need one another to pieces. And both of the boats are broken. Because we are anchored in one another and not in God. That's why marriages, that's why, that's why we do natural. Because we want people to be anchored in God, not in one another. Even in marriage, you will destroy one another if your anchor is in one another and not in God. And that is the hope line that this is talking about. And that makes you dangerous. Because all of a sudden, the things of life grows strangely dim in the light of one in whom you are anchored. God wants to speak hope to you. He wants to give you hope. Where do you want to give up? Get on your knees and say, God, give me Is it a relationship? Is it, is it a financial situation? And our faith will be enough the greatest of things. I want to read this to you. Read and then we can pray. Jeremiah 9. For I love plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future.